0: It's the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your the perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM, Talkspace.com slash BOOM, B-O-O-M. You are Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny Daniel, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. I will openly admit that I was not planning on recording today. Had the Twitter NBA show, not a lot of Warriors news happened. But while I was over in San Francisco recording that, the Cavaliers traded for Kyle Korver. And that felt like a good subject for a little short podcast on how Korver can affect the Warriors. And there are obvious reasons to think that because they are the two overwhelmingly likely NBA Finals teams. And winning the Finals is the requisite piece of success for the Golden State Warriors. And the general take on this for me, which is different probably from a lot of what will come out here, is that it doesn't move the needle that much for the Cavs in a potential NBA Finals. And there is one glaring exception to that that I will get into in a little bit. But the basic reason why not is because Kyle Korver is not as good at the overall package, everything included, as J.R. Smith. And you probably cannot play both of them together against a team like the Warriors, because while Corver is an amazing catch-and-shoot guy, still arguably the best catch-and-shoot player in the entire league, you probably want to hide him against a dangerous team on somebody else, and... The Cavs have better players like Kevin Love that you want to use for that purpose. And the Warriors don't have many hiding places. Maybe Andre Iguodala, depending on matchups, Draymond Green. That's really about it. So the Cavs get into some logistical loops when you want to get into those situations. And so that is a big part of this whole equation. However, the reason this matters is because that isn't a choice that the Cavs have to make right now. Jared Smith is out for approximately the next three months. He had to have thumb surgery. And when somebody's out that long, you don't know if it's going to linger. You don't know if it's going to be another issue, which is why this is significant for Cleveland, because he makes them more likely to win the conference in in the regular season and then also just sort of have home court. And that is exceedingly important and then if the worst case scenarios happen with J.R. Smith and he has to miss time in the playoffs, Corver can fill into that role so the c- abstract concept of Kyle Corver not being a o- better overall player than J.R. Smith doesn't matter if J.R. Smith is not on the table Corver is substantially better than a lot of the other options they have Shumpert has been better this year but is still limited offensively and there h- he creates a hiding place all his own. Richard Jefferson has had some really nice moments especially the Christmas Day game against the Warriors but isn't dominant in that sense so Korver gives them another option for that and if they want to really start getting ambitious trying some of those lineups with LeBron at the four and Love at the five Korver could be an option there going real all offense and a central distinction to make that is one of the more interesting questions now that we'll be dealing with in the league is what Kyle Korver will we see because a couple years ago really once he went to the Hawks from the Bulls Corver became this absolutely remarkable three-point shooter, not only in terms of making those shots, but in terms of taking them. So he went from being a really efficient shooter on a moderate volume to just nailing them a lot more. He got the threesis nickname, justifiably so. So in 2012-13, he made 45.7% of his threes. That shot up to 47 and then to 49% in 14-15, which, if you remember, was the year that the Hawks absolutely killed it. Ended up actually as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Still fell to the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's the way things go. So if they were getting that Kyle Korver, I would be much more effusive about it and still this is a great use of assets for the Cavs they it looks like they're probably going to maintain the trade exception that they got from trading Anderson Verjao cuz it looks like Dunleavy's in the deal along with a first round pick that means Cleveland can add another player if assuming they can get somebody with that we still don't know all the terms so I don't want to speak too definitively about the trade on those terms and also it doesn't really affect the Warriors in that way so why well, do you spend that time on a Warriors podcast the big difference is that last year Corver fell off pretty significantly, not in terms of frequency, but in terms of success. He went from being a 49, 47 percent three-point shooter for those Hawks years down to 40 percent flat, 39.8 to be specific. And there was a lot of uncertainty around the league, around basketball, Twitter, everything else, about whether that was related to Corver dealing with an injury because he had, I believe, was ankle issues over that year. that were were a big issue so you're sitting there going well if you know if he can go back to making even 45 percent of his threes then that's not a problem but right now he's at 40.9 very similar in that way however it is worth noting that even at 40.9 percent he is still one of the best catch and shoot guys in the entire league synergy tweeted out during you know basically right after Woj announced the trade today, Korver is leading the NBA with an effective field goal percentage of 84%. So that includes the value for threes on spot-up jump shots in the half court this year. That's absolutely incredible, but you also have to remember where he was versus where he is. So, he's shooting 43% on catch and shoot threes this year, which is excellent. It's really really good. He shot 50% on those 2 years ago. And that's again a non-representative sample, but it is re- worth remembering that this Corver is different than that Corver unless playing with better spacing is going to be an issue because you also run into an issue with, with Corver this year with the representative sample that the Hawks spacing and their ball movement and everything is all jacked up this year because they went from Jeff Teague and you know a couple of their other role players have changed around, Bazemore's not having as good a year, to Schroeder and Dwight Howard, Noel Horford. So all that kind of stuff could be garbling up Corver's stats a little bit. And he goes to a team that shoots a lot of really good threes and has LeBron James, who is one of, if not the best passer in the league in terms of creating open threes. So Corver will be put in an offensively perfect chance to succeed, but he's going to also have to do it on the defensive end because Cleveland has so many talented offensive players that they can't hide. Also, if they're going to play him with Channing Frye, Fry is limited defensively, of course, just like Kevin Love is. So we will have to see how all that works out. But Cleveland getting another piece for what looks like not that severe price, considering a late first round pick for them is not that huge a deal. And if that's all they gave up really to make all this happen, If all it was, was that they gave up a future protected first round pick to do that because they gave up Dunleavy in the trade. So they didn't financially sacrifice really anything. And actually Dunleavy had this small partial guarantee for next year. So they came out positive in that way. Overall, that's a nice move for them. Of course and who knows maybe they'll they'll have the ability to re-sign Corver next summer maybe they do there's a real risk that you're going to overpay him because Cleveland just doesn't have that many other options Corver is already 35 i believe he turns 36 before the playoffs because his birthday's in march that is correct so it helps it certainly does Cleveland needs quality players in the worst way and they traded Mike Dunleavy former warrior who was not doing much of anything for them for somebody who can do a whole lot more than that but Corver also was basically the fourth guy in Atlanta's swingman rotation. So I define swingman as shooting guards and small forwards. Tabo, Kent Bazemore and Tim Hardaway Jr. had all supplanted him in the rotation at this moment. Hardaway Jr. being the offensive guy and then Bazemore and and Tabo just doing defensive, but a little bit of, a little bit of everything with Bazemore. And that is a sign of where coach Budenholzer had him. And coach Budenholzer was also the GM of the team. Which is another angle on this is just whether this starts some sort of an arms race, which would probably be in the Eastern Conference more than the West, just because of the way that the structure is out there. So whether this forces or facilitates a Paul Millsap trade, because this indicates that the Hawks are willing to sell at least on something. So if they're willing to trade Millsap, there's been some preliminary reporting from Woj and the vertical of that. They're open to that now in a way. Again, that more tangentially affects the Warriors. However, I would argue if Paul Millsap went to the Raptors, which is one of those rumored destinations, I would say that that helps the Warriors because it makes it less likely, however much is open to interpretation, that Cleveland does not win the East. And a LeBron-led Cavs team is a bigger threat to the Warriors than anything that can come out of the East from any other team. So in that sense, I guess you could argue that it's a good thing For the Warriors in that sense if Paul Millsap went there and you know the Raptors would be quite good but they wouldn't be as dangerous for the Warriors specifically as the Cavs are right now so that would be interesting to see if that ends up happening who knows maybe Millsap goes somewhere else to the Nuggets or or whatever we'll we'll have to see how that works out There has been some loose reporting that they would rather trade him to the West than the East. But the way that really works out when the rubber meets the road is that a team will make the trade that is best for them because it is irresponsible, especially if you're not going to be competitive. If you're not trading, you know, like an MVP type like that was, I'm sure that's a part of the James Harden trade that the Thunder regret beyond all the other parts is that he went to a team that they're going to have to battle for positioning and theoretically in the playoffs for years to come. But That isn't as much of an issue for Millsap because the Hawks are probably going to take some time if they really do reboot to do that. So Corver certainly a good addition for them, better than they're playing like DeAndre Liggins and Jordan McRae and those types of guys with with J.R. Smith being out. Certainly better there. I don't expect him, if J.R. Smith is healthy, to be a major part of a playoff series. But again, still a nice option to have. And if he ends up being better than my expectation, which is certainly a possibility, then he moves into another, another element. And just a guy who can convert quality looks into buckets has a ton of value in the league and they have less against the Warriors. One of the other points I wanted to make as I'm kind of riffing off the cuff here a little bit is that these two teams in particular, it's a lot less tenable to play a flawed guy because both of them have enough talent that you can exploit it think back to the way that the Warriors have handled Tony Allen or Andre Robertson, who are the opposite side of Kyle Korver. Those guys are all defense, very limited offense. Korver is great offense, very limited defense. But the same general concept applies. He's not as horrendous as, as let's say, Ennis Canner, but he also doesn't play a position of as much value. So, I will be fascinated to see how Cleveland uses him. They have lots of time to integrate him and it adds another, you know, another degree of all this kind of stuff. And I don't think this forces the Warriors to make a move, but they should have always been looking on the buyout market, on the waiver market for guys that can make their team better. And if they are open to waiving, presumably Vergeau would be first on the list. I would say McAdoo would be second. But using those roster spots to add players who can actually contribute to this team, ideally on the perimeter, is certainly warranted and likely necessary. So if they weren't thinking that before, they can think that now. And also, the Warriors don't have a ton in the way of assets because they have these obligations in terms of first round picks and second round picks, and they don't have a lot of salary filler. So what it looks like the Cavs using this trade was Mike Dunleavy. Mike Dunleavy has a little bit of guaranteed money next year. They have that filler. The Warriors don't. Every player on the Warriors that makes more than a couple million dollars is a player they want to keep this year and keep long term. So they can't make those moves in the same way. So they don't have sweeteners and they don't really have salary filler. So I don't expect that we see much in that way. I am not writing off that possibility because the Warriors have pulled rabbits out of hats before and you never know what's gonna come open, but I personally don't expect it and I also don't think they need it. But the buyout market will still be there for them. So we will have to see in that way. I will put out a new podcast tomorrow night. Already have a guest lined up for after the Memphis game. I am very excited for that game. Particularly I think it could be a lot of fun. The Grizzlies have generally you know ever ever since that playoff series the Warriors have done a good job against them but then Memphis played that awesome game against the Warriors which I think was one of the best games of of the season so far for a single team and the Warriors may be looking for revenge Memphis is playing really well so we will see that tomorrow that will come out at some point you know during the day or during the sorry during the evening before what would be a commute for those of you who work on Saturdays and thank you so much for listening if you have any feedback good bad indifferent. Danny NBA at gmail.com Danny LaRue on Twitter D-A-N-N-Y L-E-R-O-U-X if you like the show you can leave a rating leave a review subscribe download every episode I really do appreciate all of those sorts of things and probably have some more gamers coming up you know the, the Warriors play on Sunday against SAC We'll definitely do a game on that. I'm actually going to drive out to Sacramento for that game. And then they play Tuesday, Thursday against the Heat and the Pistons. So there will be locked-on worries about that. Maybe do a mailbag next week. Hey, if there's another trade, maybe I'll talk about that too. So we'll have to see where everything goes. But I hope you enjoyed this one to do a little bit of a change of pace. That's short, but still hopefully substantive and add something to the conversation. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our 4-pack of LED bulbs is 9.99, and our 2-pack of LED floodlights is only 12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.